trigger warning. Some people may find topics discussed in this episode difficult. Please proceed with caution. everybody and welcome to episode 7 of the Frankie Files. I want to touch on a super intimidating and menacing topic. Uh, This is very intrinsic in what we as cult survivors have endured. The battleground is of the mind. And when I say cult survivors, I'm including anyone who's survived a high demand group. That may include military, college groups, such as sorority and fraternity, religious or non-religious groups you were in, any group you were in that was invasive and demanded your obedience. A few years ago, I learned the term menticide. As I read through today's articles, you will see it's just as devastating as all the other sides. Homicide, suicide, genocide. When you do a search on it, you may get a variety of results. Results include political, individual, narcissistic, romantic relationships, mistreatment from psychologists, rules in society, and religious cults. The idea that someone can play psychological games on you and change your sense of self is at the core of the description of menticide. Some people even hypothesize about tactics of menticide and mental manipulation that can cause someone to be a murderer. For me, the one time that I seriously contemplated and did not complete suicide led me to search what could cause the idea of suicide to be in my brain in the first place. And of course, the first thing I thought after recovering from the mental grips of this idea was about the cult I survived. What programming in my mind Had they placed what self-destructive wish had they forced on me that I wasn't conscious of? I already decided to live, so how did this happen? The fact is that I had close contact with a narcissistic, psychotic abuser who used tactics to demean me and separate me from my family. While telling me all I was good for was to serve them, and the holy leaders of this religious group, they also wanted to prove I was otherwise a useless human being. So, in effect, someone trying to program my mind for destruction of self. And I went through a period after I left that I was self-destructive. I didn't ever physically touch myself, but I did eat unhealthy and drink. The programming, and if some of you who are listening who are survivors know about this, The programming they left in your neurosynapses gets in your head and goes on repeat. They say things about how nobody cares about you. No one wants you. You're not desired. And the lies and snake tongue comments were endless over a period of a decade. This mixed with spiritual preaching at the same time for the effect of confusion. And if you... Listen to my episode on hypnosis. There is a suggestibility when we're hypnotized involuntarily, unethically, and or ethically. There's a suggestibility. The brain opens up to ideas it would not take seriously in a non-hypnotized state. 
So, you know, bear that in mind as we discuss this. The term of trying to ruin one's mind systematically also brings up on search engines brainwashing, which was used by China in various wars, but the Korean War especially introduced it to the United States. The idea that the goal is to ruin you for anything but the agenda of the person attempting to ruin you is the premise. The process includes using words, stories, films, music, lies, and cautionary tales of those around them that didn't listen and obey is effective for the leader to get their point across. And that's the only stimulation you have during this programming. There's no outside influence. Milu control, as they call it. Once you're in effect zombified and dumbed into not thinking for yourself, but thinking only what has been approved, you're left with, as I was, a sort of self-loathing that you must undo if you're to survive. But not until the abuser, leader, mad person has put the idea in your head that death would be better than their lifelong torture of you, which you see continue on repeat. You have to give that up eventually. The idea that nobody gets away is made clear too. The torture is real and the menticide is very effective. Many sites I've read have psychologists calling some suicides psychological murder. As clearly someone whispered the idea in their ear that suicide is one of the choices in the hell of a life they're living. That's a mental sleight of hand, though. It's a trick. The horrible idea of bullying someone into killing themselves is surely not talked about in mainstream society and surely not talked about as a true and real tactic in war. Psychological war. Something that is a standard everyday thing in a cult. That war rages on. And I find it ironic because of the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy of every deceptive religious group or cult is that they are a group for higher consciousness, spirituality, or religious worship of God. In the end, they're play-acting as God and choosing who gets to be so lucky as to serve them and them only. Ironic how many people claiming to be the 144,000 chosen a biblical reference. Clearly, some cannot do basic math. But to simply practice the use of putting someone down for the goal of destabilizing them mentally is under-discussed. When I look back at my own experience, I see a systematic process that was used on me. Number one, get my attention, get my interest. Two, promise me my dream of higher knowledge spirituality will come true if I do certain things. Three, trick me into doing things to attain that spiritual goal. Four, turn me against anyone who might question the master. Five, isolate me into a living and social situation where I'm vulnerable and dependent on the menticide master. Six, use peer pressure to get me to do things where there is resistance. Seven, invade every single possible area of my life, including sexuality. Eight, kick all friends and family to the curb. All. Nine, bask in the glory that I am now isolated, alone, weak, and obedient. Ten, vow to never let me go. Monitor me after my physical departure. So, While I cannot prove in great detail that my cult had me followed and has known everything I did since I left, I know their possessiveness and sense of ownership over people. 
I've seen it over me. I saw people being used as pawns every day. They use them to get money, to get more members, to use for amusement, and so many other memories. I now believe that they put what is equivalent to a curse on any members who left. I've done my best to outlive it and to follow my own dreams in life during the last 20 plus years of my so-called freedom. But even in dreams and other realms, I have been bothered by my captors. I call them my captors because I was made a slave during my teen years. I can, in fact, prove that I was enslaved and take time to illustrate that in my not-yet-published book. That I can prove. What they did was illegal. Menticide is about taking everything you have away, systematically. My vague descriptions of menticide are not going to do it justice. Here's an excerpt of an article done by Mark Hubbs called Psychological Murder, Death by Covert Abuse, written December 7th, 2009. Mark Hubbs is a writer-researcher on mind, science, and conspiracy. He's the author of Know Your Enemy, Reflections of NPD, Pernicious Abuse. It goes unrecognized, but it exists. It exists on an extremely covert level. It happens behind the scenes without even being aware of what the problem is, the real problem. No evidence of it is left behind and no one has ever been convicted of it. Yet, in reality, what I will term pernicious abuse is something which can and does have a devastating effect, not just on the victim, but also within society. Pernicious abuse can lead a person into carrying out acts such as covert psychological murder or perhaps even covert psychological manslaughter, something which is very real, insidious in nature, but unfortunately unrecognized and virtually unquestioned. Psychological murder can take many forms, but the type I'm really referring to is of a covertly narcissistic and or sociopathic nature. It may be too difficult for some people to be able to comprehend, but it does happen and I've seen it happen. The Frankie Files. Hey everybody, check it out. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to start a podcast. It has all the tools in one place that you need right from your phone or computer to edit and publish your podcast. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. I'm using it right along with you. Narcissistic sociopathic, also known as narcopathic, abuse. Narcissist or sociopath or narcopath attempts to convince someone who has discovered their unbelievably shallow secrets gradually over time that they are crazy and proceeds to manipulate them into keeping quiet or to ultimately face their wrath. They use techniques such as crazy making, character assassination and gaslighting in order to get their victims to question their own sanity. Yeah. So let me add here, anytime you hear they're crazy, 
I would, I would just caution you as my listener to look at what is really going on in that person's life. Are they a whistleblower? Are they speaking out? Notice how convenient it is for someone to slap the label crazy on them. And most of us as cold survivors have definitely had this happen because this is a proactive way for them to make sure we shut up. Back to the article. They generally do so by ostracizing the victim while continuing to act out their part, expertly hiding their truly outrageous behavior while successfully having everyone around them fooled. Everything is done to appease those around them while their manipulative and controlling tactics take place behind the scenes. Outside of people's awareness, the victim is forced to question their own sanity because they don't realize that they are the victim because everything done to manipulate them is done outside of their conscious awareness. The longer time goes on and the longer the victim tries to do something about it, the more severe the abuse becomes. The narcissistic sociopath has already built an army of unwitting abusers who all help to drive the victim crazy. The long-term consequences of these actions can be a devastating, soul-crushing, and reality-shattering path to be led down. Of course, there are many other types of abuse that can have just as damaging and severe long-term consequences. However, psychological forms of abuse such as gaslighting, mental rape, slander, defamation, and distortion campaigns of a person's reputation are done so covertly and expertly that they are very rarely identified early enough. And where's the psychologist when it comes to this? Where's the backup? You know, everyone is so quick to jump on board when you say someone's crazy. It's clearly a propaganda tactic. The abuser, when carrying out these covert tasks, is faceless and undercover. Narcopathic abuse. Victims of this type of abuse are commonly left with no resources they can use to escape the situation. The abuser has stolen their finances, their identity has turned the victim's own family and friends against them due to the malicious web of lies and deceit that have been woven. The victim is trapped with no way out, or at least that's what they are made to believe. I guess they call this reality challenging. Although victims go through what can only be described as being dragged through hell backwards, Narcissistic and sociopathic abuse via heightened communication is so difficult to pick up on the human radar of perception that the victim is usually left scratching their head wondering, is it me? They've been made to believe that they are the problem. Such abusers are so shallow that they may cheat on their partner on significant occasions such as Valentine's Day or while they're away at a funeral at times when the victim will least expect it. Not only that, They will do it with the person the victim suspects the least time and time again. In many cases, the victim may turn to drugs or alcohol as a means of escape. The stress they are forced to endure can be so severe that if they don't find some kind of release in order to feel a sense of escape, they continue to build up with overwhelming tension, anxiety, emotional suffering, and may develop an overactive mind which can literally drive them crazy. Post-traumatic stress disorder can soon follow. 
That's not to say that the drugs will either prevent it from happening or even slow the process down. They won't. They will only exacerbate the situation in the long run. Psychological murder. The abuser never quits abusing and the victim's self-esteem gets worn down to the core until they go through a process of devaluation, dehumanization, and disassociation. The victim has been made to feel that they are nothing in this world. They now have nothing. They now have no meaning and nowhere to go and nobody wants them anymore except for the narcissistic sociopathic abuser who can now use the victim as their emotional mental slave. The narcopath is now their god. Can I get an amen for anyone who's experienced this? It's brutal. And we survived, so we're amazing, right? Back to the article. The process is so subliminal and it happens so gradually that it could take place over the course of 10 or 20 or even 30 years or more. The victim knows that even if they did escape the situation, the abuser would probably continue to ruin the rest of their life or future relationships anyway, and in many cases after the partner has left, the abuser continues to drive them crazy, often referred to as soul murder. Eventually, the victim may be left feeling suicidal, but fear that others would see it as a selfish act. Interjection, never give in to suicide. If you are feeling suicidal, call the National Suicide Hotline now, searchable online. They're there. I've called them before and you need to use whatever resource you can find. Additionally, they don't want others to be left picking up the pieces they left behind because they do feel real, true, genuine empathy. For this reason, many victims believe they have no choice but to continue suffering the abuse and may feel that the damage is already done. Some victims may ultimately decide to continue to pump as much alcohol or drugs into their system as they can. This way, they can use it not only as a form of escapism, but also to slowly kill themselves so that they can reach the point that they have to suffer the abuse no longer. Others may not turn to substance abuse, but may end up suffering fatal medical issues as a result of the abuse alone, which may potentially lead to death, a result of pernicious abuse. Some victims may have given up on their hopes of escape and may have just accepted things the way they are, conditioned into codependence. But unless they are an inverted narcissist, then the stress will eventually take its toll. Stress is well known to cause a myriad of health problems, both mental and physical, many of which can be fatal. Ultimately, the victim takes the knowledge of their covert psychological murder to the grave, which forever remains a secret. Wow, that was a great article. And there are many events where a person who was in a cult commits suicide after leaving the cult and enduring the vast shunning campaigns among cult friends and family. That's rough. I myself did not associate with family members while in the cult, even after some were excommunicated for asking questions. That was a requirement. I was told to do that. But the idea of covert manipulation is one that is overlooked, and the propaganda first put out by the government years and years ago in the United States is that anyone who thinks someone is out to corrupt his mind is crazy. That propaganda receives the most ironic award, doesn't it? 
just enter the words tinfoil hat. We can apply menticide to government control tactics here in the USA now. They're not so covert anymore, are they? But perhaps some of the tactics are. One article I found on beforeitsnews.com details campaigns by the British government, which are called nudging. And if it's in Britain, you know it's in America too, because we are lockstep. A society control tactic that they created to appear organic or mainstream beliefs or societal norms. Cults do this too. They use the group peer pressure against you to try to get things done. To ensure compliance is 100% on any directive. So this article is on beforeitsnews.com, posted August 26, 2021. After the war, several individuals convened to share intelligence on mind control, and they're referring to World War II. They represented the Defense Research Policy Committee, the Joint Intelligence Bureau, the Canadian Defense Research Board, the CIA's Research and Development Board, and the Psychology Unit at McGill University, Montreal. The latter was led by Donald Hebb. And on a side note, if you want to hear more about this type of um, collaboration with Canada since 1940s, check out the free documentary called The Minds of Men on YouTube, and it's about a three-hour video. It'll shock you. The Frankie Files. Back to the article. The scientists referred to their psychological devastation techniques as menticide. Hebb subjected terrier puppies to prolonged isolation before trying it on consenting postgraduate students. The British and American governments and the CIA funded Hebb's successors, including his former student, Dr. Maitland Baldwin. Baldwin found that sensory deprivation would almost certainly cause irreparable psychological damage in humans. The CIA's Kubark Counterintelligence Interrogation Manual, 1963, was based on MKUltra. One of the MKUltra psychiatrists was McGill University's Dr. Ewan Cameron, a colleague of Hebb. Cameron subjected hundreds of psychiatric patients to large doses of electroshock and total sensory isolation and drugged them with LSD and PCP, sensory deprivation produces the primary symptoms of schizophrenia. Tulane University was allegedly involved in the operations using the services of a state hospital, as well as funding by a CIA front company called the Commonwealth Fund to conduct research. The Washington Post reports that the quest to turn humans into robot-like assassins via electrodes planted in their brains led to a number of lawsuits in which several ex-servicemen claimed to have been unwitting human test subjects. Next on the article, Nudge Units. The Behavioral Insights Team, BIT, was founded by the UK's Tory Liberal Coalition government in 2010. Ironic, right? Uh, About the liberal part. The cabinet office said the behavioral insights team, often called the nudge unit, draws on insights from academic research in behavioral economics and psychology to apply them to public policymaking. The professed aims of the BIT may sound innocent enough. To use insights in human behavior from the fields of neuroscience and cognitive psychology to influence behavior, hence the nudge, in positive directions, such as helping people to eat more healthily, keep appointments, and pick up litter. 
And this article really tugs at my long-term question, you know, how are cults playing in to aid governments? Because they are certainly allowed and flourished in the United States, especially. But maybe the world. Okay, so the first thing to be said about the BIT is the moral question of using subconscious ploys to consciously manipulate human behavior. This takes away agency and thus autonomy from the individual. That's called manipulation. In fact, policymakers are so interested in the subject of how to use psychology as opposed to force to control people that there is even the Persuasion Handbook 2002 SAGE. The second issue is consent. In clinical and psychological trials, the consent of the subject is required. Who consents to being manipulated by the government? But putting aside the moral issue, the third problem is that of context. The government only cares about your health when it affects government spending. As it defunds and privatizes, the British government doesn't want people draining the National Health Service with smoking and obesity-related complaints. It's cheaper to use manipulation techniques as a kind of preventative medicine than it is to properly fund services that everyone can enjoy. The same applies to the British government's handling of COVID. Rather than spending money on testing, tracking, and tracing, the government used nudge units to contain the virus on the cheap by social distancing and clapping every Thursday at 8 p.m. for the National Health Service. The fourth problem with the BIT is mission creep. As is standard practice in our Western kleptocracies, The public paid for the foundation and research of the BIT until it was profitable enough to be part privatized. The BIT now operates in several countries and produces reports on everything from policing to labor productivity, all in the interest of humanity, of course. In reviewing my time in occult and reading-related articles, I am astonished by the techniques cults and governments share. I guess because it's all about control while pretending there's freedom. Let's face it, there is not much freedom, but definitely the illusion of it looms ever-present. You can choose between this and this isn't much of a choice. Red or green, JTRIG staff use a range of techniques to, for example, discredit, disrupt, delay, deny, degrade, and deter. Both established and -and up-and-coming political analysts, journalists, pundits, personalities, and other influential people who challenge the British state may find their websites and social media accounts hacked or incriminating evidence planted on their computers. The techniques include uploading YouTube videos containing persuasive messages, establishing online aliases with Facebook and Twitter accounts, or encouraging discussion on specific issues, sending spoof emails and text messages, as well as providing spoof online resources, and setting up spoof trade sites. So to take this and relate it to my years in captivity and under the illusion of choice, here's an example I can relate to you. My mail, all my mail, was not given to me. My mail was stopped and trashed before it ever came to me for several years. So my mother and my other relatives trying to find out how I was were not allowed to do so. There was no contact. The cult was trying to keep up the illusion that nobody cared about me 
So staying with them was my only choice. They did a very good job. In the end, I had to leave alone, but eventually found that my relatives did care and want to know my whereabouts and help me if needed, so the propaganda was proven to be a lie. That matters in the undoing of things. Finding that the things used to menticide me were lies helps a lot. So the abusers were liars. You then can't help but think, if they lied about that, what else did they lie about? Now I'm going to another article about menticide by Denise Wynn, 1950. The Manipulated Mind, Brainwashing, Conditioning, and Indoctrination. The term brainwashing made its debut in 1950. It cited that of 7,190 U.S. prisoners held in China, 70% were swayed by communist propaganda to make confessions or sign petitions calling for the end of the war. Though few remained communists after the war and repatriation, Just Mirlu calls it political conditioning and claims Political conditioning should not be confused with training, persuasion, or even indoctrination. It is more than that. It's taming. It is taking possession of both the simplest and the most complicated nervous patterns of man. The totalitarian wants first the required response from the nerve cells, then control of the individual, and finally control of the masses from mental seduction and menticide. The next excerpt describes so personally and quite detailed the process an abuser acts out during manticide. It is truly perfect piece of writing. Let me read it to you. This blog post is by Thorsten J. Patberg for the Saker blog, S-A-K-E-R, October 3rd, 2021. He says, Granted, Brainwashing can only ever work just like most physical abuse ever works if it remains undetected and unreported. And when the victim is completely isolated and absolutely dependent on his tormentor, for example, the child to a single mother or the housemaker to a wife beater, the victim cannot leave the cult or the dysfunctional household where his abusers control their victim's every aspect of life. Deprive him of sleep, money, friends, and outside information. Amen. How'd that happen? The cult leader systematically attacks the victim's ego or self, metaphorically beating it to a pulp. If the victim is a man, he is not a man. If he has a job, his job is not good enough. And if he has no job, he's a bum or a loser. Children who haven't developed their own identity yet are probably getting emotionally damaged for life. Their abusive mothers or the cult leader tell them they are unlovable and a burden to everyone. Their abusive fathers tell them they are fags and pussies. It doesn't matter that none of it's true. The bird is killed by the bullets. Don't say that bullets just flew. No creature can survive such barrages of attacks for weeks, months, and years. Soon the psyche will doubt itself. This is reality. I should never have been born. They will forever feel emasculated, anxious, insecure. The victims change mentally and physically. They hunch over. They pull their hair. They avoid eye contact. They develop tics and abnormal behavior. And their voices become soft and high-pitched. They have internalized that they are ugly, shallow, stupid, and that they have shit on their fingers and that they are undeserving of affection. 
Once the self has cracked this way, the abuser has total control over a human being. The victim's mental health is shattered. She is probably on drugs or medical prescriptions by now, and she walks on eggshells every hour of the day not to provoke more psychological hostility from her master. The abuser loses all respect and shows no empathy. On the contrary, he blames the victim. Look what you made me do. His victim is dehumanized and less worthy than a pet dog or a punching doll. A born abuser ignores what the victim says or interrupts the victim at every sentence, attacks the victim for stuttering and mumbling, curses and berates the victim over the slightest mistake. When they step outside the house, he walks faster than his victim or slower, stops as he pleases, changes directions. The victim throttles along as if by an invisible cord. Female abusers tend to control what their victims eat, what they do, and where they go, when they go, including just getting up from the sofa to the toilet or shower. They stoop through cupboards, bags, clothes, and even the garbage just to eliminate the victim's dignity. Former happy, confident children are turned into slacks, lacking motivation and sitting around, waiting to be insulted, mistreated, and bossed around to their next chores. Their brain chemistry is messed up. Constant stress, fear, panic attacks, insomnia, depression, suicidal thoughts, eating disorders pile up. They've given up on self-determination because it will be met with gruesome retribution and punishment. So why try anything in life? They cannot do anything right, so they better stop trying. Mental abuse starts early in any relationship. The signs are everywhere, and if you miss those signs or ignore them, it will be at your own peril. Whether it is an abusive household or it's an abusive cult, the victim appears worm-like, soulless, and schizoid. And just when you thought they couldn't possibly shrink anymore, they start to become invisible. The author is a German writer and cultural critic. And again, the name, Thorsten J. Patberg. The Saker blog. I found it astounding that though brainwashing was a term coined in 1950 and menticide was termed soon around that time by the military, there's very little excellent available material on the matter. Clearly, cult and dangerous groups thrive on knowing how to dismantle a person into submission. Those of us who have survived this must not only inform the public by telling our stories, We must employ all we can to guard our minds from it happening at a new horrific level on a daily basis, the invasion of the impending new leader, artificial intelligence. We survivors are harbingers. We must deal the leaders who would employ such tactics a blow by showing that there are legions of us who not only can recognize unethical tactics of mind control of humans, We can educate against them and combat them. This is the victory I implore you to help me with, one day at a time. And there's no time like the present. Join me every Tuesday for the Frankie Files. For more information, visit FrankieTees.com. If you would like to be interviewed on this podcast and you're a cult survivor, please check FrankieTees.com for contact information. I look forward to bringing you more information. Until next time. The Frankie Files.